Welcome to the Food Therapy Podcast, where we talk honestly and openly about mental health, diet culture, BS, and food freedom. We're your co-hosts. I'm Brittany Modell, owner of Brittany Modell Nutrition and Wellness. And I'm Lauren Sharp, owner of Empower Method Nutrition. We are food freedom registered dietitians who have struggled with mental health, poor body image, and disordered eating behaviors. We are on a mission to dismantle diet culture, normalize conversations around mental health, and empower you as you heal your relationship with food and your body. Let's get talking. Hello, and welcome back to Food Therapy. Today, Lauren and I want to talk about a really important topic, which is thin privilege. Full transparency, Lauren and I both have thin privilege, but we think it's so important to really explain to listeners, like, what is thin privilege? How does it show up in everyday life? And why is this important for those who do have thin privilege to acknowledge? Yes. And I think I, you know, I'm not sure if you had the same experience, Britt, but I definitely, I remember actually the first time that I encountered someone talking about thin privilege. I was at MYP um, in my internship at Columbia and sitting at the cafeteria table, eating my like cafeteria lunch, which actually they had really good tuna fish. Um, And I remember discussing with my internship buddies, um, this post about this girl going off on like how thin privilege was so stupid and it's not fair. And, um, I remember at the time I was kind of like, yeah, I don't understand. Like, just cause I'm thin doesn't mean things are easy for me. And I'm sure, you know, if you haven't understood this topic, you, you might be in that place too, and that's okay. But our goal today is to kind of explain why that's not the case. Um, thin privilege isn't saying you've never struggled with body image yourself, right? But you don't face the systemic oppression that someone in a bigger body does where there's a lot more additional layers to it. And thin privilege truly just means like you have access to certain resources and there are spaces that are inclusive for your body size. And you also face less discrimination due to your body size. So, you know, Lauren, as you said, people in larger bodies face consistent systemic oppression and discrimination which can take place in all different types of forms. Mm -hmm. So one way we see this happen often is in healthcare. Someone who is in a smaller body will get diagnosed for a condition. They will get the kind of first line treatment for whatever that condition calls for. Someone who is in a larger body will go for the same exact condition and they'll be told to lose weight first. So rather than get that first line of treatment or medication, they're going to say, Hey, listen, like here are ways you can lose weight. Here's what you should be eating. Here's how you should be exercising. And oftentimes they're not even asked what they're eating and how they're exercising. It's just assumed that they're not being healthy. And so being able to go to a doctor's office and not have your weight be the focus and central topic is in itself thin privilege. Yep, exactly. And that is, there's a whole other layer upon that, right? Thin privilege. And then the opposite of is kind of like weight bias, right? So if you go into a doctor's office, um, there's 
chances are, if you're in a bigger body, the, the doctor already has a bias against you. Yes. Kind of it was saying in terms of like, you know, you there, you're just assumed that you don't live a healthful lifestyle. Yes. And also research has shown that those who are in larger bodies receive inferior healthcare treatment. Doctors spend less time with them during appointments. They doctors have a harder time making eye contact with these patients. And they're often told to just lose weight. And something that has happened recently with one of my clients, which like literally breaks my heart is she was denied surgery that was necessary for her health because of her you know, body size and how that isn't discrimination. I truly don't understand, but if there are people and there are plenty of people who do reside in larger bodies, the fact that we're not accommodating and we're not being inclusive is just so unbelievably frustrating as a healthcare provider. Yes. And what was the explanation? Like we can't do the surgery because of your weight. Yeah, that was, that was truly, you know, surgery. A lot of times doctors blame it on anesthesia. Like we can't, it's too high risk. And what I always think is so interesting about this is it's never too high risk for bariatric surgery, right? Right. When it comes to weight loss surgery, oh, sure. You know, we, we have the capacity to do so. Right. So, you know, every time you walk into a doctor's office and you can go and get the help and the treatment and the respect um, that you can, like that is thin privilege. Yes, exactly. And that's only one portion of it, right? Like thin privilege exists in so many areas of our society. So anything that you just don't have to think about in terms of society, someone in a larger body, it might be a really big point of, of frustration for them. Right. So for example, going on an airplane, I mean, I, since I've become so much more aware of my thin privilege and just like internalized fat phobia and all these things that we all have, I like last time I was on an airplane, I was like, damn, I have thin privilege and I'm still like practically touching the person next to me. Wait, that. And also the seatbelts, I'm like, there isn't even that much space left to expand it. And I'm like, I'm in a straight size body. Like who is this designed for? Right. So as you're saying, like airplanes, doctor's offices, the chairs, um, restaurant chairs, right. I was speaking with a client who said that she had so much anxiety and stress every time she was about to go to a new classroom because she wasn't sure if the the chair would support her body. So these are all things that like you and I have never thought about, right? We have preschool jitters. We might feel anxious going to the doctor, but it's never due to our body size. It's due to other factors. Yes, exactly. And it's unfortunate. And like I was saying before, a lot of the discrimination, like it can be in our society in terms of like you know, just day-to-day things of like chairs and airplanes. It could be at the doctor and it can also be, this is on the other side of things, not thin privilege, but also thin privilege. A lot of the times comes with this like elitist, I don't know, persona, I guess, right? Like the elitist people are thinner. So then if you are in a larger body, you're looked down upon in society in general, not only in like terms of convenience of being able to sit in a chair, but of being judged by other people and their internalized own fat phobia beliefs. Yes. There's also um, this concept that people who even perceive themselves as larger, 
So even if they're not necessarily larger, but people who perceive themselves as larger, they have higher levels of cortisol, which is like the stress hormone that goes throughout the body. There was also this idea of like a higher allostatic load. People who have constant weight stigma throughout their lives, that is trauma to the body, physically and mentally. And so what's so interesting, and this is kind of getting a little off topic, but I think it's important to note a lot of these quote unquote, weight loss studies that people bring up about health and weight, something that is never taken into account in any of the studies is the health impact of weight stigma and what that can do to someone's health, because it can increase blood pressure. It can increase insulin resistance. It does increase inflammation in the body. Those are all very real things that need to be talked about. Even just someone living in a larger body is experiencing trauma and microaggressions on a daily basis. Yep, exactly. And I want to just kind of list off a few more examples because we're talking about, you know, airplanes, doctor's offices, your health insurance might be higher than someone else's because of being in a larger body. Um, You might have to pay more money for your clothes because they're plus size. And, and might... by the way, Lauren, like just to go on the clothing topic, mm-hmm. if I'll never forget, I don't remember who, I don't remember. Uh, there was a therapist in a plus size body who said this on her Instagram, but she was just showing the availability of plus size clothing. She's like, a lot of brands and clothing lines will be like, we're weight inclusive, we're plus size. But then if you go and narrow down and select certain sizing, like 14, 16, 18. And then when you go even more like 20, 22, 24, the number of clothing that's available is so much less and the pricing often is higher. So there is so much privilege in being able to walk into a department store and knowing that the clothing brands actually carry your size and that you don't have to search for different, you know, types of clothing just to, to fit your body size. And somebody actually just recently put up a post about like even weddings and how there's so much, uh, you know, weight stigma and thin privilege in weddings. And we know that women feel like they have to starve themselves and, you know, be fit for weddings, but think about wedding dresses and bridesmaids dresses when you're in a larger body. Even being able to find a plus size photographer who you won't feel like is judging you. Um, And so these are things that, again, people take for granted on a daily basis, but these are all, you know, ways in which someone can have thin privileges, not having to think about these things, not having to worry about these things on a daily basis. Yep. And even deeper than that is... Um, not only the shame of a bigger body, but the additional layer is like, oh, this person is lazy. This person doesn't take care of themselves. They're sloppy, you know, and that can lead into jobs as well, because I don't know the statistic, but there is a lower rate of getting hired as somebody in a bigger body because you're seen as, you know, that you don't take care of yourself. Um, so a lot of people, you know, associate that with how successful you might be, how hard of a worker you are when likely has nothing to do with that. And then the other thing is, you know, even the smallest comments from people of, you know, you're at the grocery store and it's like, oh, you know, 
you got a lot of X, Y, Z in your card, or you, um, you know, buy a bag of donuts and somebody's like, Oh, you should lay off the donuts or just Mm -hmm. little comments like that can be super, super stigmatizing. And, you know, it's, it's exhausting. Those are, by the way, like the microaggressions, right? Exactly. Um, the microaggressions of, oh, like, should you really be eating that? Like, mm-hmm. ooh, I'm really worried about your health, even though yep. I've never seen your labs and know absolutely nothing about your health. Yep. If you are working out at a gym, and I've I've heard this from clients too that they can feel people staring at them. Yep. Um. While or they'll say like, oh, I'm so proud of you for for being right. here. Like, great job working out. Yeah. No one would probably say that to somebody in a smaller body. And so all of these, um, microaggressions can truly lead to, again, like we said, like an increase in blood pressure an increase in inflammation and increasing cortisol. It has this ability to trigger true physiological responses in the body. Yep. Yep. And I don't want anyone to think that, you know, we're talking more so on the side of, being fat shamed essentially and the bias around weight. And that doesn't mean if you've, cause I have had friends that have been on the opposite end of the spectrum where they were so thin that they were made fun of. And it doesn't take away from, you know, your experiences, but at the same time, you haven't faced the discrimination in the same way of society where you couldn't fit into an airplane seat or, you know, you were getting, you know, it's a different, it's a different type. And it doesn't mean one experience is, is better than the other. It's just different. It's different, but it also is not comparable. So I actually had, I posted a whole post on thin privilege on Instagram and someone, you know, wrote in the comments, like, this is so unfair. Like I've been made fun of for being too thin. Yes. The difference is thin equals good in our society, whereas fat equals bad. And so the two are truly, it's like comparing apples with like lentils, right? Apples with, I don't even know. I I don't really like apples and oranges because they're both like not even food. It's like apples and apples and like tree trunks. Correct. (laughs) So you cannot compare it because at the end of the day, thin is considered, you know, a higher societal status than being in a larger body. So yes, like you might be made fun of, like no one's taking that away from you. And at the same time, you are not facing systemic oppression on a daily basis. And that's just an important, you know, differentiation to make because I think it's easy for people to get offended. And I don't like to compare things, but I will say what this does remind me of is when with like anti-racism work, when people with white privilege get like really offended and they're like, well, like that's not fair. And it's like, let's think about why we're getting so upset. Like, why is this triggering? And is there a way that we can take a step back, listen and learn? So if you find yourself getting heated, listening to this episode, being like, well, I don't fully agree with you. Using this as a way to kind of take a step back and be like, well, why is this triggering for me? Yep. And how can I learn? Yeah. And if that is you, I was in your exact same shoes. And the only way that I actually started to understand it was when I learned more. And I was like, wow, I was really ignorant back then. I, because I didn't understand. And I, it's the same thing with, you know, intuitive eating when somebody's like, oh my God, that's the stupidest way of eating. Like, I'm not just going to eat whatever I want, whatever I want. 
that's what you think it is, then you need to educate yes. yourself more on what intuitive eating is. Yeah. Right. And this all also a thought in my mind that just popped up. What's so unfortunate of talking about like the thin shaming, the fat shaming and everything in between is nothing is ever good enough. You can't please everybody. Like it's either she lost too much weight. She gained too much weight. She needs to be this. It's like, no matter right. what society says, whatever size that you are, there's going to be judgments, not even your body, what you're doing in your life, the job that you have, the amount of money that you have, like you are never going to please yeah. everybody. So you need to find that sweet spot, whether it's for your weight, your life, your social life, saying no to more things, whatever you want. And you need to decide what is best for you. Yeah. So I want to read a quote from Aubrey Gordon. She is one of the co-hosts of the podcast maintenance phase. And it's incredible, but she said, for me, being fat, isn't about how I feel about myself. It's about how the world reminds me sometimes violently of my own inferiority and the ways in which even basic needs are withheld for me. Yeah. And I want to bring this up because again, like I said, Lauren and I, we do not have the lived experience. I only have the experience that I hear through the eyes and ears of my clients. And at the end of the day, it's important to learn and understand what people go through on a daily basis. And this brings me to my next point, which is how can you be an ally? So a few ways, first of all, noticing your own biases and internalized fat phobia. So you can begin to challenge it. There is a Harvard um, weight bias study that you can take online. You can check to see your own internalized fat phobia. So that could be a really great place to start. But even just starting to like bring awareness to, well, why, why did my mind go there? Why did I just immediately make that assumption? A second thing that you can do to be an ally is asking clothing brands to have more inclusive sizing. So even if they carry your size, one way that we can be an ally is say, hey, listen, like I'm not going to shop at your brand anymore unless you start to incorporate more inclusive sizing. Yep. Third way is calling people out. If you hear it, make, making jokes or comments about those in larger bodies, like saying like, that's actually not funny and it's not true. And I'm not going to tolerate that. If you're a physician or someone who is in the healthcare field, learning about trauma-informed and compassionate care, becoming ED-informed, meaning eating disorder-informed, eating disorders are often completely un go unnoticed in those with larger bodies, especially when it comes to anorexia. And, you know, the only eating disorder that's ever really thought about in those with larger bodies are binge eating disorder. When in reality, less than 6% of people who are diagnosed with anorexia are actually underweight. So just think about that. Under 6% of people with anorexia are underweight. And then the last thing that I will say is, watch your own language and diet talk. So even though you have a challenging relationship with food and you might have really poor body image, it is still very different than experiencing systemic oppression and discrimination on a daily basis. And this is something that I personally have tried to work on, especially when I'm on my social media feed or talking to clients. Like, yeah, I could have a bad body image day, but it is not the same as not being able to sit in seats in the movie theater and being discriminated against in my doctor's office or being denied healthcare, denied a surgery that I need. Um, so yeah, anything to add to that, Lauren? 
No, those are all so great because I think a lot of the times it's just, yeah, you, you don't really know how to be an ally, especially I literally, unfortunately was at a funeral, but a lot of people that I hadn't seen in a long time this past weekend were like, I love your Instagram. And one of my, um, aunts, like mom's cut, whatever a family member was like, it is so hard because, you know, she was wearing a particularly flattering outfit. And she was like, literally every single person has come up to me and said, wow, you look so good. Have you lost weight? And she's like, it is so hard that, you know, it's so hard to shift your focus from that and say, Hey, I love your shirt today. Or, you know, because our brains are so focused on weight because that's what we've been taught and our the right. society that we live in. So it's not something that's easy to shift all of these beliefs that have been so ingrained, but those are great places to start to yeah. that be an ally. And again, I think just acknowledging your own privilege that you have. And every time you say, I'm starting a diet tomorrow, I'm, you know, I've, oh, I've gained like three pounds. Are you facing systemic oppression and discrimination? Because if you're not like, I'm sorry, it's just, you know, you really want to be careful who you're talking to because you have no idea what that is going to impact, how that will impact somebody else who, you know, does face discrimination on a daily basis. Exactly. So we hope this, you know, starts to just create, start to create the conversation around, uh, thin privilege. And again, Lauren and I want to be completely transparent in that we both do have thin privilege, but with that privilege, we think it's even more important to use the privilege in, you know, speaking about these issues and being vocal about them because we see how they affect our own clients on a daily basis. We see how they affect family members and friends. And so, you know, use your voice and continue to get curious. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download, and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review. Let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next. All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at foodtherapypod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.